Welcome to Fandom Power. Hey folks, welcome to our 12th episode. Another episode in the books for the season. Getting closer to that season finale. Oh man, uh, three away. The season finale that I'm not sure I'm ready for yet. I think it's going to cliffhanger and leave us waiting right till the end. Yeah, yeah, I think that the pace sort of pace slowing down is indicative of, of future seasons, like a longer plan, which is okay with me. Yeah, I'm ready for more. Um, I would be ready for more right now, but I know that's not going to happen, so I'll uh, have to be content with a, the waiting period. We've got other stuff on the horizon to keep us busy, too, though, so... Yeah, I mean, we're at the point now where shows are starting to drop and they're overlapping where we just, for logistical reasons, can't cover them all to the same depth that maybe we want to. Yeah, Master yeah, just I would dropped have loved, yesterday. I would have loved, yeah, and I uh, would have loved to have done something with Loki. Loki was phenomenal. I think we can still do something with that. They just dropped an episode of Assembled for it yesterday, so. Mm. And you guys heard uh, that on the 25th, we're going to get that long-awaited... Uh, Mandalorian uh, behind the scenes episode. Yeah, Skywalker. yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be a full hour of just the finale, so we're going to get to see uh, some some of the rumored stuff where the characters apparently didn't even know. Some of the characters thought that it was Plu Clune in the script. Hmm. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's what I I had read that somewhere that some some a couple of characters thought because of Ahsoka's the like her that, connection, connection to him that yeah. Jedi, yeah, that yeah. he had survived and that i mean in itself would have been cool not luke skywalker cool but that's a kind of a, a cool well i mean we only we only see the fireball in the cockpit we don't actually see the crash so maybe you know he's fireproof i don't know could be <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> jedi are hard to kill indeed and that'll come up later in today's episode mm. just want to say thanks to uh you guys for uh picking up my slack this week oh. If you haven't already uh, picked up on that, I'm a little under the weather, and it's kind of funny that uh, you know we've survived. Or <laughs> the joke is, I've survived two years of coronavirus with not so much as a sniffle, only to get taken out by a summer cold as soon as I got fully vaccinated. So the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> but yeah, so thanks guys for uh, for picking up the slack this week because I don't think I could have done it without you. No problem. It's not as easy as it sounds either no. for the people out in the ether. That man does so much work to to get us to where we can just casually have a conversation on a Saturday morning. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes on, especially now that we've gone video and we're integrating, you know, all the images and stuff like, yep. like, uh, I'm in an enviable position. I get to sit here and just have a good time. And these guys up here do a lot of work to make us all look really, really cool. So. Shout out to my boys. Well, it's all about the, uh, you know, we don't we don't do it for any other reason but for the uh, the love of the show and the love of the property. So, as a passion project, Wait, what? Where's my check? <laughs> yeah. It's all about the Hamiltons. As a as a passion project, <laughs> it's uh you know it's one uh-huh. of the it's one of the coolest you know non job jobs I've had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's no, it's right. certainly a pleasure. It's never it's never like work and. Uh, like I said before, I, w- I was always just writing my own notes. You yeah. Know, whether they're yeah. Like, certainly show specific. I was sitting in the, on the toilet speculating anyway. So if so, I uh, wasn't doing fine. it online in, in a Facebook group or on somebody else's uh, 
you know, news feed, uh, you know, I could be doing it here. So I might as well, I might as well take it all the way and do it for way more proactive. Yeah. Isn't too. It though? Yeah. Like we're, we're creating, we're helping create the culture. Which is awesome. Where are we at today? Uh, we are on episode 13 of the show. Yeah. Uh, but just before we jump into it, I got a little news out of the Star Wars world. Oh, nice. Uh, mm. There's some new books coming in the near future surrounding the High Republic era from some familiar names and some new ones. Uh, Charles Soule returns to expand the backstory on the Eye of Neil. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But, I don't know. Uh, anyway, Sounds it's good. coming with uh, two 30-page issues coming out in January of 2022. Cool. And that's not the only one. There's a bunch coming out here. So... Uh, We've got uh, Eye of the Storm by Charles Soule, Fallen Star, and then there's some uh, young adult books as well right? that are coming, but, uh, you know, the more the merrier. Admittedly, I, I haven't picked up a single novel in the new canon since the, the Disney era. Hmm. No, that's actually not true. I, I shouldn't say that. I do have uh, Rogue One Catalyst, which is uh, pure, pure uh, fiction. Hmm. It's the setup to uh, Rogue One, the film. There you go. It was yeah, actually pretty I, cool. um, Some of the, the High Republic, I'm, I'm trying to follow it as, as best I can, just, just to stay in the loop. So it, it does, it branches off into, kind of like the action figures were in the in the 90s, it gets so convoluted <laughs> that, that it's hard to, to keep track because there are a lot of different tendrils out there. But mm-hmm. We're starting to see red lightsabers and things like that. We're starting to get normal, more normal things, starting to see the influence of the dark side right, of the force right. in there. And they're, it's sort of, it's backward storytelling. They're laying the seeds of the Sith resurgence and they're showing the, you know, literally the title is the High Republic and it's what we've always imagined Jedi would, would be like, which is just, you know, uh, frontiersmen, uh, you know, yeah, uh, samurai yeah. On, the, on the edges of society and they're helping people and trying to, you know, just ensure that good, you know, wins over evil in, in right, everyday right. situations. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. There's some really cool stuff going on. They've announced like a, a, a sort of a long term end to the bounty hunter war in the Marvel comics. That stuff's that's that's, that's some really good stuff actually. That makes that little gap between Empire and Return of the Jedi so much broader in terms of what's happening with the character of Boba Fett. I highly recommend everybody check that out if they can. It spans all of the Marvel titles, and uh, actually, if you're if you're willing to pay for Netflix and watch things over and over and over, a subscription to Marvel now isn't that much different like a monthly subscription to everything they've released and their entire back catalog for roughly about 10 bucks a month. It's if you're into comics, it's totally worth it. I, I'm not really a commercial guy, but it's a cool way to enjoy comics. Mm-hmm. Especially. Um, and then the, the, did you guys hear about the, just the, the uh, action figure stuff? Like they're releasing the I've 2D got, clone wars vintage collection stuff. I've got some action figure news that uh, I didn't, unfortunately I didn't get to Andy in time to get photos of it, but uh the uh, reissue of the uh, Scout Trooper. Uh, so this is a six-inch Black Series news, by the way. So it's a reissue right, of right. the uh, Scout Trooper, the Shore Trooper, and uh, the Mandalorian Heavy Infantry, which has now been renamed as Paz Vizsla. But these are carbonized versions. So if you're if you're a Black right. Series collector and you didn't get these figures, the first, uh, uh, second, or in the case of the Scout Trooper, third, <laughs> third time around. <laughs> then uh, here's your opportunity. And if you like that carbonized deco, then this is right up your alley. Yeah. Yeah. But you've got some more. Uh... I do. Actually, not too far off in a few weeks, they're doing the free comic book day event yeah. all over. And IDW is putting one out for Star Wars. And it's featuring more on Ram Jamarman 
Maraman. I don't know if I said yeah. that right either. But, I don't know if you did or not either, because um, I, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, you know, go to your local comic book store on the day of and uh, check it out for free. No obligations. I'm down. I love free. I love Star Wars. I have to say, uh, free free comic book day is um, it's pretty cool. Even and this is this is in the broadest sense, like not even specifically Star Wars, but um, people often and I don't think it's our generation. Maybe it's a little bit uh, before us, but just you know, for those who are still sort of on the fence about comic books. Just remember that the average newspaper is written at about a grade six English level, whereas the average comic book is written at about a grade 11 English level. So anybody who doubts the validity of, of comic books as, a, as an actual literary form is right out of their mind. And you know what? Go out and pick up a free comic book. You might discover something you didn't know before, and uh, you might have a new interest, a new hobby, and it'll take you towards some, uh, some other titles. Because mm-hmm. there's a X-Men whole host of them. How to speak words in different languages listen man i'll let me let me let me go back and just i'm going to interject one more and i've said this before in other shows if the the validity of uh, the importance of role-playing games in my life as an adult as an as a person whose first language is english in my previous life in my professional career i worked in healthcare, and I, i always say this if i knew as much about medicine as i knew about dungeons and dragons i'd have been a phd about six times over (laughs) yeah so i mean like that's the thing that we didn't understand at the time is we were applying our mad genius to something sort of innocuous it was passionate to us but we all could have been like you know the, the amount of actual information we retained when we were like 15 years old my vocabulary ex- expanded exponentially when i started reading stuff that i was interested in and it just oh, ha- yeah. it happened to be written at a very uh high level so yeah, yeah. and this is it this is exactly it yeah it's, it makes you think they should teach teaching different mm-hmm. sorry i needed yeah, to no worries yeah we're all we're all <laughs> get this under control uh, <laughs> it's off the rails already rain is in Anybody take in my day. Yeah. Uh, did anybody pay attention to Sideshow Con this week? Only in the sense that oh, I, I, I saw that thing that I, the Power Ranger thing I told you about earlier. But ah, the Zordon. Yeah. Uh, they dropped I some, everything. they dropped some neat stuff for Star Wars. Coming out soon here is a one-tenth scale statue of IG-11 and the child yep, yep. from Iron Studios. Oh, and cool. uh, it looks pretty sweet. There's one yeah, thing about cool. about sideshow is that if you're collecting this oh. stuff, you're you're on you're, a whole other. Uh, you're into it. Your your income, yeah. <laughs> your disposable income is far greater than mine. If yeah. you can afford yeah. to keep up with that, I mean, uh, I, yeah, keeping up with it would be nuts. But it's almost like if I, it's a treat. I've, I've contemplated this, like you know, because it's it's basically ten of these or one of those. Yeah, yeah. And then the quality is it? You know what I mean? I. I I've got and, one. And my propensity to take photographs with open versions of these things and being, you know, versus just a static statue that's a one-off photo. Right. Perhaps right. maybe I change the lighting and get two out of it. I did get a six-scale Harley Quinn, and she is my Grail piece out of my collection. Oh yeah, it from Sideshow. Yeah, is it she is gorgeous. Articulate or are oh, yeah. statics? Yeah, no, I got. Well, I had a choice between the static uh, statue or the six-scale figure, and I ended up for the mm. figure. Oh, the figure. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. different though. Statues. Yeah. I mean, I I think I own one. I own one statue, and it's a uh, clone commander Obi Wan Kenobi in his full clone armor. Nice standing. That's a nice piece. Yeah, and he's he's got a, a leg up on a on a broken down battle droid that presumably he's just cut in half, and he's got the uh, the classic lightsaber outstretched and the 
the I don't think so kind of pose. Mm. Yeah. It's Very pretty cool. cool. Also revealed uh, a one ounce silver coin through Sideshow from the New Zealand Mint in the shape of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Legal tender. Legal tender. You can spend the Falcon. I don't know if you'd want to. Republic credits won't do. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, they dropped this one. This is probably the most expensive of the bunch. Uh, finally, it is a quarter-scale statue of Grogu on the Seeing Stone, again created by Iron Studios. And it comes with uh, swappable faceplates, so you can have different expressions, and light-up effects within the stone itself. Okay, and did they just clarify the language on the on the thing there? Uh, I don't believe they did. Like that's the that's the cleanest I've ever seen the language. Are they? Is that an actual image? or Are they fudging? Yeah, that? that's a promo no, image. That's a translatable. Remember how we we struggled with we that? Did that's struggle translatable with that. stuff. Yeah, Man, yeah messenger me is. that photo later. <laughs> no problem. But uh, yeah, that's the news we got. But uh, we're cool. focusing on the 13th episode of The Bad Batch this week. And yeah, kind of infested. Yeah. This uh, is what I called the, I joked, I said, this is the uh, the pitch black episode. I kept waiting for Vin Diesel to show up. Yep. <laughs> it shifts gears, though. It doesn't start off as no, pitch black. No, it, it doesn't. It starts off more <clears throat> Temple of Doom-like. Yes, yeah, it does. Notes, it absolutely does, yeah. My little bio at the beginning was... Uh, the Batch find themselves in a double heist slash alien insect horror slash mob flick. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> yes, on several levels. This one, again, is directed by Saul Ruiz, who is no stranger to the franchise, and written by Amanda Rose Munoz. Uh, this is her second episode of The Bad Batch. It clocks in at 24 minutes and 39 seconds without credits, or 29 minutes if you sit through them all. <laughs> We open the episode with the Batch returning to Orb Mantel, and we get a nice shot of the city as they fly in, just all calm-like. Nice-looking shot. Yeah, in the daytime for a change, I think, eh? Yeah. Yeah, don't get used to it, because that's about the only shot in the daylight. <laughs> yeah, it's a very dark episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, everything seems calm, another mission in the books, this one having occurred off-screen this time, and we don't know how much time has passed since our rescue on Ryloth. But Echo remarks that they should be getting paid extra for this one, seeing as she failed to mention the drop zone will be swarming with Gundarks. And Tech remarks that they shouldn't be surprised, as this is hardly the first time Sid has left out key details. Yeah. There's I'm always sure. an omission there. There is. Some, and there's going to come up another degree, one in this yeah. one, too. So Gundarks, uh, of course, made famous by Han Solo in the medical bay on, on Echo Base when he thinks Luke Skywalker looks strong enough to pull the arms off. Pull the arms yep. off uh, Gundark. We noticed in uh, a couple of episodes of The Clone Wars that they're uh, they're actually formidable <laughs> beasts. Mm -hmm. They absolutely are, yeah. So uh, we do have a shot of a Gundark here. Nice. There we go. Nice. So they're a pretty twisted-looking creature. Arms they you know, the, ripping off. one of those things that we kind of love about Star Wars is you have all of these minor references to things you're like oh that that must be really must be really something right like talking about uh you know the the idea that chewy ripped the arm off a of gundark one time right yeah. and you're thinking oh my god like chewy's like this big imposing thing how massive is a gundark mm -hmm. and this is you know one of the very few examples where i might have been a little disappointed at the actual visual translation versus the 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 hype that i had already put upon it hmm. well uh They've been around 
all the way back maybe, to the maybe, Empire. Like maybe Chewie ripped the little arms off. It I don't could know. be. That's what I was saying. Yeah, maybe they, yeah. Maybe he ripped the little arm off. But uh, they're, they're hard to get to because they're underneath the big arms. It's yeah, true. They're, they're protected. The yeah, yeah. Okay. Snatch the pebble from my palm. Yep. But uh, their first appearance in Star Wars media was way back in 1981 in issue 51 of the Marvel comic series. Nice. I gotta. So now that you say that, I gotta wonder if the if that is the if that's just an update of the design that Marvel it dropped, could be. or is it a complete redesign? This is the design that was seen in uh, Clone Wars. All right. Uh, so maybe this week uh, there's a good social media post as we'll uh, try and find an image of the 1981 Marvel yes. Gundark. See if we can. They're the creature from that that, that uh, arc where Mace Windu and Anakin are trapped. Yes. Yeah, in the yeah, rubble yeah. after uh, Boba attempts to assassinate them. That's right, and they, they it, R two has to battle one of them. Actually. Yeah, he cool. does. He not just drag it off because he can't. Defeat yeah, 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 yeah. It, it destroys the R eight unit. Kills kills the other yeah. droid that's with him. Right. Yeah. So uh, as the batch walk through the streets, we get a blink and you'll miss it moment that gives us a possible Ponda Baba cameo appearance as he drives by on a speeder mm-hmm. bike. Good grab. That's a that's a tough. He was moving there. The, yeah. Uh, Blink and you miss it for sure. Nearly unmistakable orange puffy vest, you know, a la Marty McFly. Yep. Yeah. But it's Blue, so... Uh, tunic. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool, though, that they really are holding to, uh, like they did with, uh, I keep calling them uh, Cliff and Norm. So whichever one the Authorian is, mm-hmm. whether it's Cliff or Norm, do you? Bolo. Yeah. The Authorian is Bolo. How they're sticking to that Kenner action figure aesthetic, right? Yeah, with the, gold, the blue jumper really and then... Like yeah, and then now with the you know Ponda Baba and his uh, his when you see vest. that in Star Wars, we all go crazy. You know, just like in in the Loki series, when you see the original yeah. classic Loki, old yes. Loki, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you, you wouldn't think that just sloppy, you know, would work, but it works, and, yeah. and we love yeah. him. Yeah, we all remember him picking a fight back on Tatooine with Luke. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. So there he is. Uh, now that's their uh, Rogue One appearance, Rogue right? One. So they got off that planet quick. Yes. I guess so. I mean, uh, <laughs> and Doctor, you know, credit uh, to Lucasfilm for pulling this one off because I mean, clearly those it's not the same actors, Doctor Evazin particularly, no, but it's, yet it's still it's like look. instantly recognizable. Yeah, and Look I think him using his arm. They're coming in a in a black series release actually as part of the uh, Cantina. That's getting released yeah. here, coming down the road. With yeah. the, that Obi-Wan has the face paint tech on it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is going to be a nice little set. Speaking of classic sort of uh, costuming, I, I really want those two Black Series figures, the Greedo repaint and the Obi-Wan repaint that, that, that look like the Kenner 70s. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're nice looking. All right, so uh, we turn a corner, and there are groups of soldiers spread out on the street. And as we enter Sid's parlor... We find a whole host more of them lurking around. Echo asks, "What did this place get so popular?" Followed by Tech asking, "Who are they?" Of course, you know the uh, analytical question. But Hunter replies, "Not our problem." And as they mm-hmm. make their way to the back, they pass by two members of the Pike Syndicate. This doesn't even phase them. No, which no, is they, funny no, considering no. what's going on with them in the background. They're way more interested in these wannabe Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, 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 guys. Yeah. And it just goes further to establish that they don't, they're not fully versed in the underworld dealings yet. No, no. So, no, totally, totally. Yeah. Pikes are big gun. Yeah. Nothing sets off his radar here. They'll play an important role later on in this episode and going forward, possibly in the series, but we'll jump on them yeah, a yeah. little later okay. as we get to them. As they try and enter Sid's office, a guard blocks their entry. 
but he's quickly dispatched and the batch make their way back. And upon opening the door, they find someone new in Sid's office along with two more guards. These guards, I don't think we've seen them before. I can't recall seeing the this particular no. style of armor before. It looks really cool. It's got a kind of an old Republic feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. And they do have, uh, is is that an official Pike logo on the shoulder? It's also on the spice bags. Too. Well, that's just, is it? It shouldn't be, though. Stylized because flame. I don't think it's a Pike logo. These guys are well, working for the Durant. The Durant logo, right? yeah. yeah. Right. But again, like, you know, as we saw with um, with Morgan Elzebeth back in The Mandalorian having her own private security force in the form of those droids, I got right. a similar vibe with these guys. Like, they, they have this – we know that yeah. those HK droids were ancient. And mm. these these guys give me the, a similar vibe. At first I saw yeah. – when I saw the, like, like, the slot advisor, I'm like, oh, it's the – you know, is this the Scrapper Guild coming for revenge? Because they kind of have that kind of vibe going on. But then the more you look right, at them, yeah. the, the armor's a little more ornate. I thought, oh, this looks almost ceremonial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're really cool looking uh, aesthetically. And I don't think that they're Deveronian. Like the helmets don't lend themselves to horns, right? No, unless they're all so female. It's, it's, yeah. Right. Wow, that's true too. But, but being... so it, it is probably like, you know, you get the picture. There are these well-armed, well-armored. Yeah. Uh, police forces out there for hire this mm-hmm. galaxy is just a wild place you know now so uh, as they go in they see a figure sitting behind the desk and he says it's rude to barge into one's office but hunter fires back this isn't your office with that more guards arrive and they quickly surround them and we'll find out his name later but for all intents and purposes we now see it's the criminal roland durant uh who is calmly stroking ruby the lizard oh ruby makes the so, come back uh, yeah Nice to see Ruby. We haven't seen her since mm. uh, episode seven, and Omega quickly notices her and asks, "What casual? He is casual, cocky. Eh? He's got his feet up on the desk. He's he's Bond villain esque. Yes, like cat. You know, <laughs> Blofeldish. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, he, he really is yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Like, we'll, you know, you're gonna learn more about the character. But he's confident beyond his yeah station." If you will, I've got some thoughts about him, and I'm I'm I don't know if you picked this up when you did your run through on the episode, Andy. But by the time we get to the end of the episode, you know, you know, we get a lot of uh, a lot of the best heroes are the reluctant ones. Does he not come off as the reluctant villain, like yes, being born into a crime family as opposed to choosing it? Like he just seems really yeah. not motivated. Like I'm just here because it's expected of me, not because I really want to do this. Yeah. He's very much a Chad in terms of that, but he does yeah. have redeeming yeah. qualities, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually have, at the end of the episode, I don't want to spoil it, but due to what happens to him at the end of the episode, I have speculation for actual Rebels content. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Omega instantly recognizes Ruby and asks what he's doing with her. And he replies that she is his prized pet. He paid and Sid delivered. And Hunter asks, where's Sid? And he just replies, Sid's out. And he lays claim to the parlor and Orb Mantel, which is now his territory. But if they're looking for work, he might be able to find a use for them. And Hunter says, uh, we'll think about it. And everybody kind of just, you know, chills out, drops the rifles. and You know, we've always said, you know, from the beginning when we first met Sid and how much of a, of a breakout, standout character she was. And then as we sort of got to spend more time with her, we all came to the conclusion that, you know, yeah, she's in the part of the underworld, but she's like a, a minor crime boss. But all of a sudden, it seems this episode puts a lot more weight on the strategic importance 
of Ord Mantell to mm-hmm. this this criminal this underworld network and what it means yeah, for kind of like a cotter pin in the whole thing, almost right? right completely unravels without her in this little linchpin position yeah so i mean like how many times has this happened to her previously like has somebody come along and tried to bump her out because of what it means for for their own comeuppance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you don't mess with bosk's mom <laughs> that's right <laughs> i'm still banking on that uh on that uh, one by the yeah. way yeah it's a small galaxy, and I don't care. Everybody's saying that, like, to trash the show, honestly, in social media. And I'm like, I don't care how small the galaxy is. Yeah, yeah. I hope Luke Skywalker shows up in this, too. <laughs> <laughs> and he might, just as a little toddler. I'm going to see Grogu in a, in a clone tube here. <laughs> there you go. With Orb Mantell under new control, Hunter decides it's time for a quick exit, and getting off planet is their best play. But Omega inquires, what about Sid? And... What did he mean when he said she was out? And Tech, you know. Oh, my man Tech. <laughs> analytically, he just responds, it's plausible assumption that uh, Sid was either forced out or taken out. Yeah, like it's nothing. Like yeah. it's just completely like, you know, perfunctory. Yeah, you know, she's either gone away or she's gone away. <laughs> you know. So then. Uh, he just doesn't disappoint. <laughs> no. And he keeps going this episode. I know. So Omega then implores them that they have to find her and help her. But before they can answer, we hear somebody clear their throat, only to turn around and find that it's actually Sid in the doorway of their ship saying, nice to see one of you cares. Well, that's funny. They would say, like, Omega's the moral compass. Yes. And so she's firmly entrenched in that position. So she's ever the optimist, ever the hero, right? Yeah. And there's no good reason that Hunter would have any allegiance to this other characters not not at all and i don't even think omega can convince him in this moment but then sid being in the ship is is that it's the the debate is over like it it removes their ability to make a choice in the situation yeah so it stops any conflict that they might have right there you know when i also found it interesting i was discussing this with lauren like she's not so dangerous to roland durant that she's just not a lot like they didn't kill her no they didn't arrest her and and confine her she's just allowed to roam the streets like she's a non-threat to them as far as they're yeah concerned. yeah yeah and i get the impression that all she's been doing is waiting for the batch to come back because she views them as a minor threat and that's all that's required to get her get her stakes back you know something that happens in this episode which almost builds on uh, some of the the stuff we saw in the last two episodes with what happened on ryloth is that you know as you say hank omega is the the moral compass but on another level, it's like, you know, if she wasn't there, you know, Hunter's instincts of a, we're out of here, that's what they would do. So it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. speaks volumes into like how manipulative Omega can really be and how much influence that she has on him. Absolutely. And therefore the group, right? They all, yeah. they, he's the de facto leader or, you know, the military leader when they were a, a unit. Sergeant. Now, now, now the de facto yeah. sort of leader. Uh, and everybody looks to him as the father figure, even the other members of the group. So, uh, but it's amazing, it makes, you know, like sense that he's made a decision. We're leaving, and as soon as she's like, "But hey," it's like, "Oh, yeah. okay, I guess not." <laughs> there's, there's an inverse thing happening here. She's becoming a mother character. Yeah, on some level, I suppose she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah, really yeah. Is. yeah. There's a point coming up later that will show just you know how connected they've become to her and. Uh, I got a slide for that too when we get cool. there. But 
Anyway, Sid hustles the batch inside the ship and gives them the lowdown on Roland, stating that he's a former client and son of crime boss Issa Durand. And I believe this is the first time we're hearing mention of her. I didn't find any other references for uh, Durand's uh, in relation to Star Wars, that's for sure. Rio Durant, though, however, has a lot of information. Rio Durant, yeah, yeah, that's a a different... Um, it's one of the problems I actually had with this episode, and if any of the episodes I had problems with, there's small bits of this episode that I had, and I had to watch it a few times to even, at first I didn't like it. I was like, wow, why are we dealing with such minor stuff mm-hmm. when there's such big stakes? You know, why are we still breathing when there's so little time? Yeah, now we yeah. have 90 minutes to get some sort of resolution for Camino, for Boba Fett, for, you know, for Omega. So there's a, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to do. So, but one of the things that I, that I, was bothering me was that, the thing that I don't enjoy about this is that we're suddenly we're unpacking new major villains, ostensibly, possibly mm-hmm. even an ally. But it seems like a lot of unpacking of new stuff yep. right before we should be getting resolution of all this old stuff. Right. Like I had said right, before right. we started recording, this feels like an episode two or three, except that the other characters have already developed beyond that. So I'm just I, I don't often question the wisdom of what they're doing. There are things in, in this episode that make me go. Uh, really? Okay. All right. Well, maybe you're laying something else down. Yeah. So just superficially, and I know that it's going to come up in a big way, but like you, you had joked, I don't know, it was a week ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago about, you know, could we get a Darth Maul connection? And, and in the loosest way, that's what this episode does. It gives us that Darth Maul connection. Yeah. I had started to sort of write a, 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 a bio. I was trying to make it cooler than it was at first. Yeah. And I was yeah, saying yeah. the batch doesn't know how close to Maul they are. Yeah, and I and mean that, that's act. It's and it's true, but it's it's a huge stretch. For they what don't know what else happens in the episode. Th- that's the truth of it, though, is that they don't know the uh, the Duran family. They don't know, and but the gal- the galaxy at large does she though? Yeah. I don't knows. think she does. Yeah, she I does. don't think that she knows that the Pikes and the and the the Black Sun and uh, the the third uh, the third group have come together to form the Shadow Collective. I think that. They the the underworld understands that the Black Sun is a smuggling ring. The Pikes are a, a spice dealers, and then the third guys are like the the muscle. But I don't think that they understand that they all have collectively joined. Yeah, under Maul. But she does recognize that they imp- like they impose a very real threat. The Pikes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 The preeminent the spice dealers. In my notes, the, the Pikes, of course, are the spice dealers of the galaxy analogous to drug cartels. They have a reputation for ruthless tactics. We've seen them throughout the Clone Wars and watched as they become a key part of Maul's Crimson Dawn. Perhaps even already, he is pulling the strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know at this point that the Shadow Collective is a real thing because he set them all up at the Siege of Mandalore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when he made his escape. We know from what we see in Star Wars that, oh, okay, he obviously got away and he kept the gang together. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Does she know? I don't think she does. Maybe not the full thing, but at least part of it. She knows that the Pikes are, like like you say, the biggest uh, spice uh, dealers in the galaxy. Right, right. Yeah. They're they're the the, uh, Colombian drug cartels. That's right. They're the gangsters you don't want to mess with. That's right. If the mob is bad, the drug cartels are worse. Yeah, yeah. So uh, once we get on ship, we uh, see in the background two of the bar regulars, mm-hmm. uh, Catch and Bolo, and it, they're playing a game of what looks to be Sabak. Cliff, Cliff and Norm. I think it's Sabak, yeah. Yeah, but they're playing it on yeah. top of Gonky. So uh, <laughs> yeah. poor yeah, Gonky yeah. there. I'm sure he's been used for worse. I mean, he's well, already, he's he's already been, he's been a, yeah, he's been a dumbbell and... Uh, 
And now he's a card table. (laughs) They're the most versatile droids in the the galaxy. Sid explains that uh, Roland's trying to make a name for himself by joining up with the Pikes. And Hunter asks, well, what's he doing on Orb Mantel? And Sid explains that this port is connected to multiple hyperspace routes, making it ideal for smuggling. Roland saw the value in that, and he took it. But Sid intends to take it back. Yep. And she says, really, we will take it back. This is where I question the uh, the motivation of the Roland character, whether, you know, he's doing this independently or whether his mother has told him to do it. You know that, um, I can't think of the analogy, There's but there's been a couple of movies where, like, it's been like a preeminent, like, big crime family and one of the kids, like, look at Scott Evil. Maybe like working a petting zoo. An evil petting zoo. You always do that! Scott Evil does not want to be his father. No. Right? And I don't think that, I don't think Roland Durand wants to be his mother. But I think mom, Mrs. Evil, has basically said, go down there and do this and live up to your family name. And he's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's quite possible. It's quite possible. To, to have that much of an exposition, I don't think we've seen the last of Roland Durand. And no, I don't think no, I don't that, think so either. I think that we're probably going to see. Issa Duran, uh, it's just too much of a name drop. And, you know, it, for me, it, slowing down this much towards the end of the season means that we're definitely getting consecutive seasons. I think I'm so. Okay yeah, that. yeah, totally. So Hunter fires back, you know, we, and Sid flexes that boss muscle card again and says, you know, if I lose, you lose. And for them not to forget that she's been very good at keeping secrets. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tech replies with the on the nose, I believe she's threatening us. Yeah, it's my man, Tech. Best line of the episode. It's my boy, Tech. Just putting it out there like it is. (laughs) Like, you know, in case it wasn't obvious enough for you. Yeah. But here, here, I just want to dig down on this. Just one more thing about this whole how good I am about keeping secrets. That information has no weight anymore because you're nobody right now. You've just been kicked out. Who are you going to tell? So what? You go and tell somebody. We're going to go. We'll just go somewhere else. I mean, she's crafty enough to even use that as a bargaining chip to get out of her debt with the Pikes because they're a very valuable target. I suppose she could do that. Yeah. I bet you the Pikes know who they are, even though they don't know who the Pikes are. Mm, That's probably true. Yeah. Because the entire galaxy is still looking for them. At least the Empire and whoever else. Right. What other bounty hunters have been hired. Yeah. Right. But uh, despite the threat, Omega is quick to point out that when they needed help, Sid was there. And now that she needs help, they can't just walk away. And yeah. like you had said, she's acting as the moral compass here. And, uh, you know, she's giving them the like, oh, you, you can't just walk away. Sid's our friend. So she's looking yeah, past yeah, that threat yeah, yeah. and more. I think that probably ties directly back to the episode where she was left in the bar. And yeah. they, they had their moment together. Because otherwise, right. I mean, Sid has not done anything altruistically. It's all been financially motivated. Yeah. But on paper, as a stra- as a strategist, just on paper, cut and dry, like chess rules. Yeah. Tit for tat. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. We needed her help. Now she needs our help. It doesn't matter what happened in between those two events. I just think it's a little short sighted for Omega to just boil it down to the simplicity of like when we needed help, she was there. Yeah. Uh, there because, with strings. Yeah, there with a whole bunch of conditions. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just a return to the idea that she's still a child after all. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Where, where things are a little less gray. Yeah. You know, yep. you, have yep. a, you have, a, have a huge moral uh, bandwidth, I guess. Right. Yeah. Sid jumps in here with, uh, you tell him, Tiny. 
She's yeah. given them more names. I was going to say they're they're all goggles. they're goggles, all getting muscles. nicknames: muscles, goggles, goggles, dark and broody, yeah, or uh, yeah. bandana. She doesn't, call, she doesn't call him bandana, but she wants to. She's <laughs> called him. She has. She called it. Oh, did she call yeah. it to his face? Not in this episode. She referred though, to him as bandana once. Yeah, she yeah, has. Yeah. <laughs> Does she have one for Echo yet? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. I yeah. actually find that's another thing that I'm. If I had one maybe critique of the entire series, I would have liked to see Echo be more uh, out front. He feels kind of like a droid almost. You know I think I mean? there's, I, but I think I there's think some, some intention there to, to keep him that maybe, way. Maybe he has the, you know, he has the highest stakes and the most backstory, yep, but yep. maybe, maybe we've heard his story and this is his, this is his swan song. Maybe we still have to get that big reveal that the, the, uh, that the hot toys, showed us yes that still has right that's another right, thing yeah. that you know we've only got so much time to uh resolve <laughs> yeah season or maybe they went crazy with something that's completely innocuous maybe it's just like maybe. oh it's a hap i've got a screwdriver too <laughs> hold on i gotta put my hand on yeah okay now we can go <laughs> so uh hunter with a sigh reluctantly agrees asking what's your plan and we cut to a scene of Sid and the Batch walking back through the city where she exclaims that Roland is storing a shipment of spice in the back office that's to be delivered to a buyer that night. Tech parrots the plan back to sabotage in a uh, more refined method. And she says, uh, very good, goggles. <laughs> and uh, when the pikes come to collect, <coughs> Roland won't be able to pay and he'll be their problem. That's very insightful on her part, and it makes perfect sense, too. Like, how do you, you know, path of least resistance, what a good way to get rid of your rival than to have a, a third party do it for you. Yeah. So Sid leads him into a dark room after moving some crates. She finds a hatch in the floor and tells him, start climbing, tough guys. Yeah. And <laughs> at the bottom of the shaft, they walk into an open area, which turns out to be Orb Mantel's old mining tunnels. Sid says these tunnels run all over under the city, and this is how they'll get to her office to grab the spice. And when Wrecker asks, why can't we just walk in and take it, Sid snaps back that no one can know that they're involved. Roland is one thing, but the Pikes aren't an enemy you want to make. Yeah, we know how true that is. Yeah, so uh, there's the Pike emblem right there, which is why I say it doesn't match up to the one on... Uh... It doesn't match the helmet no. or no. The, the shoulder piece there. No. So yeah. who knows? Maybe they are a private, like a private... Uh... What is it? What do you call them? Private military, like an employed force, yeah. like they're the Blackwater mm -hmm. of Star Wars or something. Blackwater, but they mm -hmm. do that stamp is also on the spice when the uh, Pikes uh, is it check it out. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, like, I thought that. Uh, so there was just like a story beat where I wasn't. I wasn't sure whether they were purchasing spice off of Duran or whether they had sold the spice to Duran and he was supposed to flip it and give them the money. Yeah. I wasn't sure exactly. You know, that it's, it and it's still, that. now that I think about it, it's still kind of left ambiguously, you know, like what right. was the actual. I don't think they want to hammer on the details too much because we're about to involve a child in a drug deal. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. That <laughs> makes perfect sense. Maybe they were trying to sell it to a pharmaceutical company. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. yeah. A legitimate pharmaceutical. Let's you sleep at night. <laughs> and just to... Uh, as an extra point to point out how dangerous they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're the folks that are responsible for killing Siphodius. The Pikes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, and they, I mean, they control Kessel. 
Yes. Solo. Well, this is the like, thing, right? Well, I mean, the we spice mines. We yeah. we understand how important the again that lore that Star Wars builds the spice mines of Kessel and what that means. Like slave forces go there to to work this hard labor camp and to find out that oh yeah, and by the way, the Pikes they controlled Kessel. Yeah, that's a great image, by the way. And I had forgotten that they had been translated into live action until it was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah, the Pikes were in that movie. Yeah. Nice translation Slightly too. Different, but uh, yeah, a, a really good job actually. Yeah, yeah. They're trafficking Wookies. Uh, that too. Yep. And droids, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rise up. <laughs> <laughs> Sid says that we'll move the spice in these carts and uh, Tech says that they're not in the best shape, but he can get them going. And Sid like, no, no motors they are too loud. Oh, the mining carts. Yeah. And, and this is a stealth mission. The quieter, the better. Mm-hmm. Here's a shot here of them uh, checking out the carts and not exactly a stealthy crew. No, <laughs> you know, no, not at all. Nearly every mission end up in, in, uh, a hail of blaster fire. The very first time we see the Bad Batch, their tactic is to use the door of an LAAT gunship as a shield while they throw <laughs> grenades from behind it. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. But yeah. we do get a great uh, nod to Temple of Doom. Coming yes. Up. Uh, yes we yeah, do. I loved it. And you know what? The other thing, too, is this is classic. When I think of Ord Mantell, I, I think of... What the first time that I personally, as a Star Wars fan, visited Ord Mantell was in the Shadows of the Empire video game, and so that the the Ord Mantell level, the the train level where you're bouncing from train car to train car, taking out the droids mm-hmm. along the way, I just loved the idea that here we are, and there's a, you know ever so slightly this this little wink wink to oh we're on a track in these That's little right. cars, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it also just lends that like that depth to just a, a, a random line yeah. from Empire Strikes Back, where you know the bounty hunter we ran into on Order Mantel. Mantel, yeah. And and for, you know, since I was ten years old, I wanted to know where what's that going was on in that, that place. Yeah, and, yeah, know, yeah. Was, now we're in a city there. It's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. So the group split up into two carts and start to make their way down the track, and. Like we had mentioned earlier, it's important to point out here that uh, Wrecker is pumping the one cart, but Sid is propelling the other one. She is, yeah, yeah. Because she takes she takes uh, Omega, uh, Omega and and, uh, and, tech. and tech in the cart with her, yeah, yeah. So uh, this is the first of a couple. I don't know if we want to classify it as like a Yoda esque moment, you know, where you're all like walking with the cane, and then all of a sudden, you yeah, get, yeah, uh, yeah. You're flying around the room, <laughs> drops the cane, and and turns on That's the right. bu- turns on yeah, buzzsaw mode. It's time to go. <laughs> Giant lizard's got to be strong, though. I mean, true. Yeah, but isn't that the case, right? Where it's like these, uh, you know, sh- short, uh, intense bursts of like energy in between, like basking in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the whole scene is fairly dark and ominous. And as they arrive at a locked door, Sid tells them that once we go through the door, not a sound, as they don't want to wake the hive. And this is another one of those key details that she left out at the beginning. And she goes on to tell them that the cavern has a slight infestation problem, which where we get our title. And Wrecker gleefully replies, we're not afraid of a few bugs. A few bugs. And Sid says it won't be a problem as long as everybody keeps their trap shut and then ushers Wrecker to get the door. So uh, he makes his way up and cranks it open. And it's pretty loud for opening a door. Yeah, yeah. big big when mechanical to, yeah. clunk. 
Yeah, it's uh, I, I from this port forward, I was like, I, I was aware of how much noise they were making, and you know, one of those machines on the, you know, even if you're just pumping it, it's got a creak, creak. You would yeah. think that there would be something yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't know if anybody else got like I. I immediately thought, you know, you can call it a hive, you can call it whatever, but I immediately thought spider webs. Oh, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, thought, yeah. Are yeah. we going to get giant white spiders? I kind of thought the same thing too. Seems like all these villains or all these like these creatures come from these like depth cavernous depths, right? It really mm-hmm. reminded me. There's one level on uh, the Ghostbusters video game when you go in the hotel and there's like this crazy spider boss. Okay, and it really reminiscent of that. But uh, anyway, very cool. In my notes, I did have to say that the hive ascends on them, not you know. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Flying creatures typically descend on you. Yeah. This is my, uh, you know, hey, when's Vin Diesel going to show up? (laughs) (laughs) This episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by CollectorSplatoon.ca. CollectorSplatoon.ca, organizers of the annual Toronto Collectors Platoon Toy Show. Check out CollectorSplatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories, specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit CollectorSplatoon.ca today. So Wrecker muscles the door open and they continue on their way and do their best to remain quiet. But uh, Wrecker soon loses his flashlight. They hold for a minute hearing screeches below. And as the noise is calm, they slowly move forward. So we've skirted it this time. Right. So did you catch the Lord of the Rings reference there? Uh, Fool of a Took. <laughs> I missed that Peregrine one. Took. Yeah, he drops the lantern. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. The Wrecker torch. Has the Lord of the Rings moment. There you go. Uh, so soon they arrive at the platform and Sid declares, we're here. And Wrecker, at this point, he's noticeably winded. Oh, he's pretty gassed when he gets off there and he's like on his hands and knees like. <sighs> yeah. But Sid just, you know, calm as everything, strolls over and uh, right, tells them. Right, not winded at all. No. That's the first. And you, you like, you're going, whoa, maybe, <laughs> maybe she's super tough. And then I started to see, like, I was like, is something wrong with Wrecker? Mm, maybe. Is he that? Is he? Should he be that, like, as the tough guy who just pushed three tanks off of a cliff, should he be winded from a little bit of pumping? You know, like, uh, and it happens a couple more times, uh, and, and I, I started to worry about him a little. I just wrote it off to, uh, again, like, his his fear of heights is somehow, because, you know, he's watched the flashlight drop, and he just it continues to watch as it bounce, 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 and it's like, the realization of how freaking deep that hole is like yeah. <gasps> we're that high up oh i don't like yeah. that it was very cool how the light was like just chaotically yeah like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And getting dimmer and then just gone yeah yeah big time yeah yeah, yeah exactly i think it might have been psychological you know like the when uh when the uh when the wily coyote drops the thing off the cliff and it just it falls forever and then finally at the bottom level oh crap <laughs> it's that far down so they get there and they find a ladder that leads up into the back office and Sid tells them, up you go. So uh, you see this little tunnel piece that leads up there and uh, Tech asks, well, how do we know Roland isn't inside? And Sid says, she's got it covered. And with the click of a communicator, bar regular catch receives a signal and we see him munching on uh, Mantel Mix. Mantel just Mix. Just chilling in the bar watching Roland. At which point he proceeds then to uh, enact his part of the plan. And he starts leaving a trail of Mantel mix to lure Ruby out. And she goes right for it. 
good to see these two get involved. I think that catch is awesome here and improvises this because there's no way that she could have known that he would be in the common area with the thing on a stool and you know what I mean? So I think his catch is is supposed to just distract him however or steal Ruby however maybe even. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get him out of the office. Yeah, it's way too specific for me to be part of the actual plan. Yeah. Yeah, there was no way for him to know that Roland was going to be out in the in the main right. in yeah, the common right. area, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got an office. Why would he be hanging out right. in the front? Because he's a disin he's he's disingenuous and doesn't want to be there, but his mom told him to be. Yeah. So he might as well hang out with the hired help, right? That's that's how like non he is about being a gangster. Yeah. Right. So That's uh, just my theory. Yeah. Uh, once outside, the other bar regular, Bolo, drops a crate on top of her, capturing the poor little lizard. And this is funny because this is the same way that uh, Omega caught Ruby back in episode seven. That's right. Oh, yeah. Shit. Right at the beginning. Yeah. So, same crate. Yeah. Yeah. When uh, the, running around on the, on the uh, ship. On the Marauder. Yeah. Just before yeah, they yeah. jumped to hyperspace. Yeah. Way to go, Hammerhead. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Ruby squeals and Roland finally notices that she's missing and he barks at his guards to go find her. But he himself stays behind to finish his drink. It's like, you prize know, pet, eh? prize pet, but, you know, only a little concern. And this further establishes possibly that he doesn't care about her, that she's just another possession. Maybe going back to that whole theme of beings being property. Oh, yeah, yeah. Such as the clones. Well, that's been prevalent throughout the whole series. So. Yeah, so running theme there. And then uh, Bolo and Ketch flee with Ruby and give Sid the all clear. And while Ketch is still snacking the whole time. <laughs> so uh, he never, never drops that bowl of Mantel mix. No. Must be good stuff. It's good. And it's expensive. Yeah, 14 bucks for two... Uh, <laughs> 14 credits per per case or whatever it yeah, is yeah, charge yeah, yeah. it to sid <laughs> so uh they just captured ruby yes they did we get a shot of uh catch here still powering it down and uh bolo hugging onto the ruby box yeah so then we switch to an interior of sid's office and it's rather messy so i don't know if this is like because roland is taking up residence or was it always that messy I don't know. We never really see much beyond her desk. Yeah, because we see, like, she's got a lot of trophies that are well presented. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It doesn't lend itself to, like, you know, rotten food laying around. Yeah, I I mean, we saw several shots where we saw helmets and things, and we were getting right into her. Oh, there's some Orabesh on the sign above their heads. I didn't get it. Oh, there is, too. Oh, I missed that. It looks like an intersection street, two streets intersecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, you know, in, in light of the whole, like, shake-up, like, she she's out, I'm in. That could just mm-hmm. be a visual cue to they tossed the place. True. Looking for whatever they could yeah, find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was pretty pretty organized before. Yeah. Because as Hunter comes up, he sees some creatures snacking on rotting food and gives them a disgusted look and says, I thought Wrecker was a slob. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I guess we would equate these to rats. Womp rats, maybe? I maybe. guess so. Looks like the same uh, species of rat back on the, the Venator class that was running That's around right. through yeah. the ductwork. Yes. Is that a Meluron? Uh, it might mm-hmm. be a Meluron. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So Sid radios them to can the commentary. Roland won't be gone for long. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tech proceeds to check the crates to make sure, and they are indeed full of spice. Yeah. And standard drug packaging, I guess. Uh, yeah. Very much so, like wrapped in like <laughs> yeah. paper. And, Here's uh, your bricks. Yeah, yeah. They begin passing the crates down to Wrecker, who passes them to Sid and Omega to load onto the carts. 
And back on the street, we see that uh, the guards are back reporting that they can't find Ruby. And Roland tells him, keep looking. And he's like getting frustrated with them at this right, point. Right. And, uh, you know, causing him a headache. This is more than he wants to deal with, I guess. We then switch over to Catch, uh, and he's telling Bolo to keep Ruby quiet. And maybe they could calm her down with some more Mantel mix. Right. Maybe it'll work. It's good stuff. Yeah, maybe. But uh, she bites Bolo's hand, and that causes him to drop the cage, allowing Ruby to escape, and she starts causing all kinds of noise. Yeah, and I mean, the whatever the vocalization that came out of that thing was pretty uh, high-pitched. Yes, it carries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it's enough so that uh, Roland and the guards hear it and begin to uh, make their way towards it. Right. And just then, you know, Catch is still like, what do we do? What do we do? And Bolo just gives up and runs. <laughs> and because he's gone. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> yeah. Catch follows suit and takes off with his Mantel mix. and uh, Doesn't even drop the food. Just keep no, going. Yep, bye. Keep that stuff. <laughs> and uh, Roland rolls up. And in contrast to the scene where he's still drinking, saying, you know, go get her. Yeah. He's actually showing relief at having her back here. And... uh so probably some genuine affection so, there. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah, I, yeah. Well, I didn't think there was any, this, you know, uh, it's a pretty normal thing for your pet to run away. You think maybe there's more, and I'm just kind of coming to this now, but you think there's maybe more there, you know, the, the whole Ruby connection, like, what are you doing with her? And he says, I, I paid and, and Sid delivered. She's my prize pet. So uh, there's who, the symbol on his chest, too. Who stole book. Ruby in the first place? Right. Right. right? So, maybe that's a... Maybe that's a, a direction that we could be going in with the with the Durand character. True. I know they do list it on uh, Wikipedia, who the Batch had stolen Ruby from in the beginning. From, okay. So, yeah, you know, maybe he's not as ruthless as first implied. Yeah, maybe not. But uh, he orders the guards to go after Ruby's captors and heads back to the bar with Ruby in hand. And then we cut to Sid, and she gets a signal letting them know that they're out of time. Echo yeah. then rushes. He has a sort of symmetrical handsomeness of a hero type character right? yep yep he's got that he's got a very smooth voice you know you could see a rio durand spinoff but you know what i mean if, uh, like he could become more he's just very, for a villain he's very well thought out and put together as a, as a sort of visual character mm-hmm. i think this is a, a guy you know even though he's grown up uh you know in a in a crime family this is a guy who's come up with privilege and you can hear it. Like he's yeah. just so nonchalant, yeah. Yeah. you know, like money has never been an issue for this guy. Right. His right, wants right. So have adversity. never been. Yeah. Yeah. Echo then rushes to seal the door and buy him a few extra seconds. And Roland tells Ruby, don't worry, we'll catch them and kill them. Yes, we will. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and upon reaching the door, the guard can't get it open. So uh, Roland just shoves him out of the way and blasts it, which is. Yeah. 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 I know how to open any door. We've seen it done before. Yeah, I don't got to pay for doors. Yep. It's funny that uh, the blaster technique is both, uh, you know, used to lock and unlock. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't find the controls to lock the door. I think you just blasted them. I think I just yep. Blasted them. yep. <laughs> it's a universal tool right there. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better than a scomp link. So they enter the office and quickly notice that the spice is missing and our heartwarming moment between Roland and Ruby is gone as he drops her. <laughs> and he's more concerned over the spice. <laughs> oh. And then he quickly discovers that there's a trap door revealing the escape hatch below. 
And we cut to the batch in the mines who are making a quick exit, but not before Roland's guards see them leaving. Right, right. Then those guys quickly jump in two more carts and give chase using the motors because they... They just don't care and they don't know. They don't know. They don't yeah, care, yeah, whatever don't it know. is. That's right. That's right. But uh, they it, fire it up and off they go. So here, here's a question uh, for everybody is like, why and how long has this tunnel to the, to the old mining tunnels existed right below the parlor? How long has it been there? Why is it there to begin with? Did Sid install it? Did somebody else prior to her taking over the business do it? Like, was it a was it a mining office at one time? Like, it just maybe probably weird. Probably like here in Halifax, we have tunnels running all under the city from the old, you know, kind of weird days of like you know uh, getting things from the from the docks to the fancier buildings. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Like, whether we're shuttling people or goods or or what have you, perhaps it was from old an old smuggling. Maybe the the place was built there on purpose. Whether you know, ostensibly she didn't build it. That's what ostensibly I mean, she came to this place. And yeah, went, and it was there as a strategist, as a crime boss. Went. This is an opportunity to you know. Here's my escape hatch. Here's my. Could it have been something as up. as simple as like prior to becoming a parlor, it was part of the mining operation like a warehouse or an office or something could have could have been the you know you come this is a secure place for you to go and have a drink yeah yeah, it's kind of weird that the holes are in the floor you know like there wouldn't you know it secretly lends itself to sneakily like it does yeah yeah uh smuggling yeah um perhaps this was just you know, one of the manholes that's around the city because she just goes into an alley and finds one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she went, oh, here, I'm going to build a, uh, my bar on top of this uh, and do it on purpose, perhaps. Well, I just, you're smuggling during Prohibition. You always had your secret exit. That's true. Well, that's exactly that's absolutely that's true. The, yeah, yeah. Kind of, you know, yeah. Yeah. The question is, what were they mining on Ordmental? True. That you'd, mm. you'd need a sneaky way to move it around. <laughs> Kyber? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But anyway, the uh, guards are in hot pursuit, and uh, as they close the gap, Wrecker starts to open fire on them, and Sid, in a loud whisper, says, no blaster fire, but it's too late, because the guards are starting to return fire, and this scene plays out, like we said, uh, like the minecart chase from Temple of Doom. It does, yeah, it totally does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't doesn't he yell something like, tell them that? Yeah. Or tell that to them, yeah. Yeah, he does. We get the opposite colored blasters again. The red versus, the red blue. versus blue. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then uh, Wrecker, using the brake on the f- cart that he's in, uses it to smack into the first cart coming after them, which throws a bunch of the guards. Right. And then uh, I'm not quite sure who jumps. Maybe it's Hunter or Echo. But they jump to that cart, throw her in reverse, and dive back to theirs. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Causing... Uh, all with brake checks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's your Vin Diesel moment because they use Fast and Furious. Tactics. That's yeah. There you there go. You go. <laughs> <laughs> I will accept that as the official answer. <laughs> so that uh, first guard card ends up going backwards and smashes into the second, knocking them off the rails as well. Right. And Sid says, "If they've woke the hive, we're all dead." And as they quickly and quietly make their way along, Omega hears a sound, so she starts, uh, you know, scanning around the cave to see what's what. Right. And. Uh, well, there's a look of concern if you ever saw one. <laughs> yes. Uh, the trip quickly shifts gears from, you know, your action Temple of Doom sequence to something more horror driven. And like you had said, the pitch black this part is, the pitch is coming. pitch black moment, yeah. Yeah. So uh, 
a swarm of these winged creatures come flying up from below and Sid yells out, start the engines, and they rapidly take start off. Start the car! Yeah. Start the car! Or start the plane, start the plane. The plane, the plane! Yeah. <laughs> but just then, more guards join in the chase, and uh, we get to show off of just how many of these bugs are swarming around the cave, because these guards get, you know, annihilated. Yeah, yeah and you don't get, right away, you don't get a good look at... at the creature know what they are at first i'm like what is it minox or something like what like do they yeah. did they or live in like, like geonosian style yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 but they do a good job of creating a lot of tension and it's so chaotic and everything's moving so fast that you don't actually get to see one of them very clearly i don't no. know if you guys got a screenshot of one but um i got a it little lends bit. itself to that tension it, it does. does yeah you don't know we we even as the viewers don't really know what just happened or what attacked us so it's very that's scarier than yeah 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 moving you know zombies but it's also an important shot during this swarm because you see there is a visible access point in the ceiling of yeah, the place, yeah, yeah. which will come into play it's later true. and the guards that are chasing despite their best efforts are you know overrun and derailed because literally there's just too many of them yep so uh We've got a shot here of uh, the cart getting knocked off and them getting swarmed. And oh, you can sort of see them there. I you mean, see a you definitely see the wings. Yeah, yeah. They're weird looking though. Yeah. So, really, do we get a yeah. do we get a name for I what these things? The are? We do get the name. We do get the name. Okay. It comes up shortly. Is, Islets or Isbors or something? Uh, Erlings, I believe. Erlings. Erlings, sorry. Erlings. Yeah. And um, is this is this a new creature? I believe so. It I is. think so. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So Tech raises his torch as the creatures fly away, and he quickly figures out that they don't like the light, so they should use their torches. Right. And as the carts zoom along, one of the bugs steals a crate of spice right out of it, and the second cart is quickly overrun, causing Wrecker and the other members there to abandon it and jump on the first. Hunter yells, forget the spice, and implores Wrecker to close the door, which they've just arrived at. Right. And uh, he does that, like, literally in the nick of time. Because there's this great shot of a bug. Well, this is it, right? Getting the... chopped as the door shuts. Oh, it reminds me of that scene in The Mandalorian with the white spiders, where the last one. Oh, the door yeah, gets, yeah, 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 yeah. Where he's shooting them at the door as the door is closing, and it the crushes uh, the, last the one. icker on his armor <laughs> when he's like finally, oh, and it's like, oh, he's covered in goo, and I'm like, I, yeah, I don't know why it's so juvenile, but I'm like, I'm laughing <laughs> as I'm watching it. I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, that sucks. <laughs> That was horrific. I'm so sorry you're covered in goo. (laughs) But it's a great sight gag. (laughs) Yep. So as they make it through, Omega says, well, at least we got rid of the spice, right? And they continue on their way. And Sid is just, you know, oh, given that. There's a lot of money there. Yeah. That's a lot to be down to a bug hole. Back in uh, Sid's office, we find that Catch and Bolo have both been (laughs) apprehended. And they like they roll instantly. So, uh, you yeah, know, it, doesn't it was take all her idea. Not a lot of pressure to put on these two. No. No, no, no. Roland is playing with Stid's necklace through her beads. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Sort of when I realized she wasn't wearing them. And uh, Roland, he says, I didn't know Sid was so bold or foolish. And as he questions the two, demanding to know the location of the spice, members of the Pike Syndicate enter the office looking to collect their payment. And right. Roland at this point tries to talk his way out of it, saying the shipment was stolen, but insisting they'll get their money, and he needs more time. Typical. Uh, as this stayed their execution right here. Yeah. Catch. Such a typical uh, trope, though, in that gangster 
you know, vein, the gangster TV show, gangster movie. I just, I just need more time. Yeah. You know, but what else? You've really got nothing. You know, you, you don't have what you, the, the payment and, uh, but I can get it. I just need more time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> why, why should I give you any more time? And that's exactly yeah, their thought. The Pikes yeah. do not take this well, saying they no. didn't come for excuses. And if he can't deliver, maybe he's of no further use to them. Right. And at that point, Roland and the guards quickly draw on them. But they're unfazed. And they tell them he better correct his mistake or he and his whole family will experience what pain truly feels like. Yeah. The, yeah. the line of your entire family. Like that has to speak to the amount of reach that they have. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, here we get a shot of uh, them drawn down on the pikes, but uh, they don't even flinch. No, I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure and I'm, I'm watching the scene and I'm thinking, you know, like in that moment, you, you think that they they already had some kind of plan. Like, listen, we're going to go out there and collect. But if we don't come back, you know what to do. Yeah. Even though they've got the drop on them, it's clear that they are not in control. And with a shaky hand, Roland lowers his weapon. Right. And implores the rest of them to do so as well. At that point, we cut to Sid and the Batch making their way through the streets and back to the parlor, and Omega asks if it's safe. And mm-hmm. Sid replies that Ketchumbolo said the Pikes have already been through, so they should have cleared out. And as they enter, they see the bodies of uh, Roland's guards laying all over the floor. And, you know, they didn't leave anybody standing. But it appears they've returned to the parlor too early, and the Pikes are still there, and they're about to leave with Roland in shackles. And he points out, that's Sid. She's the one they want. Right. And they calmly tell Sid it has come to their attention. She has stolen their shipment of spice. I'm surprised at how quick they are just to, to accept that as like, oh, okay. Yeah. But then again, like, I suppose if you if you have that much power, you know, like, okay, if that's the case, yeah. produce are you it. it? They yeah, do. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. we get a shot of... Uh, them there and they're fairly imposing looking creatures they really are and i mean the animated uh their animation model it, it really diverges from their live action where like he's got that hooded cloak yeah i mean i right. presume what we're looking at is all flesh yes in this image yeah they demand that the spice be returned and they will consider this issue resolved and sid tries to talk her way out of it saying i don't have any spice which is technically true yeah, it's all at the bottom of a mine. Yeah. <laughs> and the lead pike gives the order to kill them all, but Hunter speaks up telling them that we don't have it, but we know where it is. And the pikes say, well, if you know where it is, you should have no problem retrieving it. But until then, Omega stays here. It's the it's the whole, you know, I just need more time. I know where it is. Yeah. Okay, and this well, is, somebody just fucking get it. Yeah. And this is the moment I was talking about earlier, because as they say that, the entire batch just draws. No hesitation. Oh, I know. Yeah, like, yeah, No, she's not staying here yeah, with yeah. you. But uh, Sid intervenes, convincing them to lower their weapons because they don't know who they're dealing with and let her handle this. And I kind of get the impression, like, you know, this is genuine concern on her part. Maybe for the first time. Yes. Maybe. She really does have that, you know, the understanding of, like, who exactly. Well, as she said it earlier, you don't know who you're dealing with. Yeah. But she kind of has a, that that idea. Yeah, because they're willing to throw down at, you know. Yeah, I mean. They're, Omega, you're they're, going. they're willing to do the, the soldier thing, right? Like, okay, we can go right now, toe-to-toe, but that's not going to solve the, the problem. Yeah. We cut then to the hangar, and Wrecker exclaims, we can't leave her with them. 
But Sid responds, we don't have a choice. And Tech reading his data pad tells the Batch mm-hmm. that the creatures they encountered were Erlings. Erlings. So we get a little uh, readout. And you oh, that's see cool. They're uh, moth-like qualities, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is their first appearance in canon. Yep. Uh, he says they're a nocturnal species with visual sensitivity to thermal registers. And their best chance is to strike before nightfall. They're the things from Pitch Black. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, except more round and, I don't know, not as sharp. And they can fly. Well, the ones in Pitch <laughs> well, they, Black they can fly, fly too. too. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Sid says her and Wrecker will rappel down into the cavern and get the crates. She's the one that got the kid into this mess, and she will get her out. Right, right. And it's funny that she chose Wrecker because of his fear of heights, but, uh, you know, need the muscle to move the crates. I think it's funny how last week we got to use the Havoc Marauder like a helicopter gunship, and today we get to use it like a helicopter to repel out of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Wrecker gives a groan at the sight of how far down they must go, and Sid tells him, this time, don't drop your torch. As they rappel down once to the bottom, Record quickly sights a crate, and they get it hooked up and send it back up as they continue to look for more. Right. But uh, back at the bar, Omega sits with Roland as the pikes pace back and forth. Omega spots a blaster, and she's thinking like soldier here. She's right, like, right. this might be my opportunity. But Roland tells her, don't try it, they'll kill you. Which, you know, he's flipping again. It's like, he has no... He has no reason to... No, to yeah. stop her. But uh, he still does. Is that maybe because I'm firmly on the of the camp that like he doesn't like I've said before, he's doing this because his mother expects him to. So does that speak to what his childhood was like? Like, hey, this is still a kid. Yeah. So he gives a little insight in the next line. He does. You know, because, you know, your mother is a criminal, too. It's like you make it sound so bad. Like what's so So undignified? Yeah, 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 yeah. He goes on then to tell her that's what happens when you meddle in other people's business. But Omega fires back. You're the one who took Sid's parlor. Roland says, you take what you want. That's the Durand way. Right. So that's a learned. Yeah. That's a learned thing. Like he didn't come to that on his own. No, you take what you want. And then uh, Ruby crawls up onto Omega's lap. And Roland remarks that Ruby doesn't take kindly to many people. So, uh, you know. He's judging. They weirdly bond here. They do. Yeah. He's judging through, I guess, you know how a dog will sense a good yeah, person? Yeah, that's right. If my dog doesn't like you, then. then uh, yeah. 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 No, yeah. Dogs are really good judges of people. That's it. Yeah. So uh, we cut back to the ship. And we can see that the sun is getting low. More crates are being brought up, and there are only two left to find. Echo says it's getting dark, but Tech says he's working on a solution for that. Below, Wrecker and Sid hook the last two crates up. And again, we see Wrecker winded from the work, but Sid's still, you know, endurance ready to roll. Again, is he having an issue with being suspended on a cable over this, like, you know, unimaginably deep cavern where yeah. it's just really hit him where, I don't want to be up here. Yeah, because he's yeah. about to go okay. riding up that height again. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It could be the fear of heights or it could be. You know, it's funny, you know, Sid that they more uh, strength than she lets on. If this really is a play on his fear of heights, you know, it's it's amazing how it's part of like, you know, in some of the and I don't mean to get into the thing about therapy and stuff, but like there's this thing called exposure therapy where exposure to the thing that you're afraid of helps to, to desensitize the amount of exposure therapy that this guy has gone through over the course of this first season where he's forced to do all these things 
in the face of his fear of heights. I'm surprised that his reactions are actually getting more pronounced and not, you mm. know, the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So uh, as Sid and Wrecker ride the final two crates up, Sid tells Wrecker to quit squirming, fearing a repeat of before. But this time, it's Sid who bumps an old minecart. Oh. <laughs> so uh, it's on her this time, causing it to fall to the cavern below oh, and wake the hive. And then Wrecker says, uh, maybe they didn't hear it. But Sid laments, I don't think we're that lucky. And Wrecker says, neither do I. The air starts to rumble as the uh, swarm wakes up. And as they rise up, they encircle Wrecker and Sid. And Wrecker cries out over the comm link, get us out of here. Hunter asks, what's wrong? To which Sid replies, Erlings, a lot of them. <laughs> That's almost like on the on the obvious, like a tech level of obviousness. Yeah. <laughs> So a lot uh, of them <laughs> looking down Hunter beckons tech who runs over the door with his latest device and uh, tosses it down the hole. Say this should distract them. Nice. Pretty amazing that he scratch built the flash bulb from hell. Yeah. Yeah. The light bomb. I called it. Yeah. 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 Does it not remind it reminded me of the uh, the seismic charge that uh, slave one dropped in uh, yes. attack of the clones a yeah, little sure. bit. Yeah. yeah. But uh the device hits the ground and it detonates to a glorious burst of light. And uh, there we can see how it's uh, it rises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just like a little flash here. It's like an expanding ball of light. Almost like there's a physical component to it. Yeah. So the Earlings flee the light and Wrecker and Sid are brought up to the ship. Mm-hmm. And back at the hangar, they deliver the spice to the Pikes who release Omega. But they put Roland over a crate by knife point. And Omega begs them not to kill him as he just made a mistake. Right, right. Sid agrees, saying it'll start a war with Roland's mother, Issa Duran, mm-hmm. and they don't want that heat right now. No. She then says they should call it a bad deal and walk away. But the Pikes refuse as they do not accept bad deals. So uh, here we see Roland over the crate and you see that knife just ready to go. Yeah, you, you kind of, at this point, you kind of knew what was coming. Yeah. And I, I actually didn't think that they were going to... I didn't think they were going to kill him. No, just take I actually, a piece. yeah, I actually thought they were going to do exactly what they did. Fair enough. Yeah, because uh, the next scene, they slice off his horn, and picking up this little chunk of horn, they tell him their business is finished, and it would be wise for their paths to never cross again. Mm-hmm. I had to go back into you know sort of the the vault there and kind of remind get a refresher on uh, the Deveronian physiology because I couldn't remember if the horns had like a sensory thing. It turns out they don't. It's essentially it's just horn. But I I was like, wait a minute, does that does that affect um, it cl- clearly it hurt when they cut it off. Yeah. But um yeah, it's not like some of the other Star Wars species that have like like the the Gotal who ha- also have like protrusions on their head, that's actually like a sensory organ. The Deveronian horns have no such characteristics. Hmm. There's a passing resemblance to Visago from Rebels, another yep. Deveronian character. Right. Similar skin tones. I know that the other character is older with beard and has both horns, but he's the leader of a crime syndicate called okay. the Broken Horn Syndicate. Oh, really? Their symbol is uh, sort of a a U with two horns, and one of the horns is missing. So is this laying the groundwork for Duran to go off on his own? Maybe. Maybe. That's an interesting connection, and that's not one that I would have picked up on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
The Pikes take their spice and they leave, and Omega goes to check on Rowling, asking if he's okay. And he says, it's a small price to pay. Omega then passes him Ruby, and he says, I'll be going now. Just like, lost it. I'm going to go. See ya. Just like that. I guess yeah. I'm going to, I got to go home and fit. So this is the thing, right? Because, and maybe your theory on maybe uh, the, the Broken Horn Syndicate might play out because if he really is the reluctant, he's still got to go home and face his mom. Yeah. And right. that could be the thing that pushes him like, you know what? If you, if I'm supposed to be this big badass criminal that you want me to be, well, fine. I'm going to go and do it on my own. Yeah. Because here, there's a sound of defeat in his voice because he knows how is, badly yeah. it could have gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's alive. Right. Yeah. yeah. And if her mother is sort of one of those arrogant people of power and sees this slight done to her son, she's probably going to have this. I'm sure know, there's there's some form of retribution right? coming. So whether, whether he knows it or not, a, a war with the Pikes has probably been started. Yeah. Yeah. Or at the very least, you know, mom is going to come looking for Sid and perhaps the Batch as a as a means of revenge or something. Quite possibly. Yeah, yeah. But, but hey, Omega's first drug deal is a 100% <laughs> success. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Six crates. So uh, with the situation dealt with, Sid says the first round's on her, but Wrecker says you was way more than that. And Sid, going back to the uh, snarkiness, don't push your luck. So there's definitely trust bonds forming here. And as the Batch head off to the bar, Hunter asks Omega, why'd you stand up for Roland after what he did? Yeah. And uh, she replies, I don't know. Ruby likes him, so maybe he's not all that bad. Well, there's that whole the dog thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And also, through the filter of a child, we got to keep reminding ourselves that she's a child. And they do that, you know, semi you know, similar to the way in Family Guy they were reminded that Brian is a dog and that Stewie is a baby. Right, uh, right. Every once in a while, because you can easily forget that she's not, you know, only this master uh, strategist and the, you know, the moral compass of a, of a much older group. She's also a child at the same time. Yeah. It's an interesting conclusion to the episode, though, because now, you know, if we go back to that whole, uh, you know, I'm good at keeping secrets. Well, now the Bad Batch have one on her because they now know the importance of Ord Mantel and particularly what her parlor represents. And so, I mean, that's leverage that they now have on her if they yeah, ever wanted sure. to Maybe use it. Maybe that actually puts them on even ground so that now... Maybe. You know, I think it's, so. It's all just mutual beneficial stuff. Yeah, so like the, the, the whole don't push your luck thing, that could just be witty banter yeah, now. Or it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. When Tex said it was a threat, it was almost like it, that was her last card, and yeah. she had to play it at least, you know, to try it. Yeah. What it are you gonna it, do? It, what are you not gonna try it? Like, right, it's an if, empty threat, like you said, right? Yeah, so it's, yeah. she's gonna at least play the card and see where it goes. If the choice is play it and maybe you know get the upper hand or don't, well, then of course you're gonna try. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we fade to black this week, so no snap cut. Yeah, I mean, the pacing on this one was considerably uh, uh, slower overall. So, yeah. you know, like like you say, is it is this now the, the, the filler episode? Maybe. Are we calling this one the filler? We, we it felt filler to me. It felt, got the breather yeah, episode it felt already. Like a you know? yeah. yeah, more of a very um, long pause. But you got so much more development yeah. on the Sid character where... You know, at the pace that the show was going, I don't think we would have got that in another in a, in a different style choice. Yeah, 
And on top of that, involving the pikes, involving more syndicates and whatnot, that's just pushing us further down that, that road criminal, into the criminal element. Yeah, yeah. So. Gotta say, I actually kind of I like that. I like the that you know these different elements can weave in and out, sort of superfluously, without yeah. impacting the the overall narrative. Although, just a reminder, because we haven't harped on it enough, we only have a limited number of minutes before the season wraps. Ninety minutes, <laughs> right? And like, there's so many major plot threads that are hanging that you know you've you've dangled a carrot here and you've dangled one over here. Now the our... batch goes back to Camino. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But at the same time, yeah. too, it's kind of a learning thing for them, because up until this point, they've still they're still operating as soldiers. Right. And yeah, they're yeah. they're still learning the ways of the criminal underworld. This whole like idea the thing of is still not having them. the stability of the Republic government, the not having a, an organized military force to basically be your moral compass and tell you what right and wrong is. Yeah. As you say, there is a there's a learning curve there, and it does take time. And on top of that, they're still learning the players in the game. Oh yeah, and Sid time, is kind of helping guide that too, right? Like you know, mess with these guys, but don't mess with these guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, so many players now, like we've joked about, you know, uh, somewhere in the galaxy, Tarkin just pushed the the go button on Vader. Right? Go get these guys, like yeah. But really, after what happened in the last week's episode, like. Where's Rampart's head at after losing the, that the mine yeah. or the refinery? Or at least being set back. Right. So, and then, of course, we got to come back to uh, Lama Sue and uh, Nala Se to see how the, the contingency is going to play out, mm-hmm. to see if this proposed uh, or this rumored clone uprising, is it going to, to happen? Will that be the, the, fi- the final sweep, uh, removing the, the Kaminoans from the galaxy at large? Because we don't, we don't get another, we don't get another canonical reference to them. Well, we do get, uh, in the Mandalorian, dude wearing the Kamino patch. But, That's true. But he's not Kaminoan. We don't see Kaminoans again. So after, uh, no. after, after the prequel era. Yeah. I should say, I guess. True. So, uh, that's our episode this week. Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, call it filler, call it a breather, call it what you want, but it is what it is, and uh, good little piece of... the best uh, cartoon I saw this week. Did you, oh, did you watch Masters of the Universe? uh, (laughs) I haven't watched E-Man yet. (laughs) I haven't yet. We'll have that conversation another time. I knew there was a lot, a little bit, or a little bit more work this week to this. Big time, yeah, yeah. Also work is mental, so I'm actually going to spend the rest of the day uh, he manning. <laughs> oh, excellent. Excellent. Go slow, my friend. You will get through it fast and, and, or go fast and watch it twice because it's definitely yeah, worth it. That's my MO. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth a rewatch. I've only watched four of the five episodes. I watched them in bed last night and it was, uh, on my phone. So stupidly so. The, when, when you turn on Disney plus, at least on the, on the PlayStation app, yeah. there's, there's two things. There's the, uh, the actual show, and then there's the behind-the-scenes trailer. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I stupidly clicked on that, and in it, it's a discussion between Kevin Smith and Mark Hamill where they spoil oh, episode five. Oh, dang it. <laughs> 100%. I was like, what are you doing? Why would you even do that? And I was I was actually like, oh, man. The Netflix model to put everything Can out at one time. Thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's nope. a whole conversation for another, another Note to episode. Don't watch yeah. that yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stick to the episodes first, but uh, yeah. Oh, what do you got there? 
What's in the box? Uh, what's in the box? So Lauren got my present for my birthday. It's gonna save birthdays next week. I'm not doing this yet, but I already know what it is. Sweet. Oh, I made my camera go crazy. Oh, oh. I know it's I know it's Hera. Oh, that's and so I have nice. To be super disciplined. So why do wait? You, why are you even touching <laughs> <Until> it? Next <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> I'd have had that wrapped up. <laughs> Because <laughs> I I just I love fl- it's like flogging myself. Uh, mm-hmm. fair enough. You know, yeah. it's like I'm showing uh, intense emotional discipline, right? Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know. What, was there any more to? Uh, I think we've covered it. I think we have. It's. Uh... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I it wasn't that bad. It. I mean, it. It was pretty good. It had a lot of cool stuff in it. Visually, we've. It's pinnacling out. Like it's. That like especially coming down on Ward Man Mantel, yeah. The visuals there were so striking. They're they're they've hit their stride with their lighting, especially in that light bomb episode. I mean, they are at the cutting edge of computer animation, and I have to. I mean, it's so evident. There were leaps and bounds above where we are. We were in Clone Wars and Rebels, and those things were leaps and bounds above what was happening thirteen, fifteen years ago. So. That's one of the coolest parts about Star Wars is that we remain on the cutting edge of cinematic technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and that's where we got. We still have people innovating that, which you know is only going to push the medium forward. So going forward this week, uh, <clears throat> join us over on the uh, on the Facebook page and in our group in the Fandom Power Podcast uh, Facebook group. Where we're gonna, I'll make sure to put up the uh, the Gundark, get the Gundark image up there and see if I can find a compare. Help. The comparison shot of the uh, the Marvel Comics, the nineteen eighty one uh, version, yeah, the eighty one version, and then uh, also I would ask uh, uh, one of you gentlemen if if you can put up some information about the Broken Horn Cartel, and we can put that up as a separate post, and maybe we can have some conversations with the uh, the fans about that this week. Other than that, that's it for me this week. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So uh, you want to take us out? Oh my God! You know what? I better not. I'm still too sick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So join us next time. Same batch time. Same batch channel. You did it. (laughs) All right. Bye for for now, now, everybody. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? 
Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. When your show is ready, Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say?